Good morning. I welcome you to our worship service as well. Uh, my name is Darwin Jordan, uh, one of the pastors as well on staff, and uh, extend to you on behalf of all of our uh, people here, if you're visiting, uh, a hearty welcome in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let's pray as we uh, begin to consider God's word together. Oh, Lord, as we uh, come to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would open up our hearts uh, to receive your word, Lord, that we would give ourselves up to your promise. We would give ourselves up to the death and resurrection of Christ and what it means for our lives. Lord, that we would embrace you and your glory and your beauty, your loveliness, your goodness, what you have done for us sinners. Lord, we pray that uh, we will not hide from you, that we will not run from you, that we will not, Lord, allow unbelief to turn us away from you. But Lord, by your spirit, you will give us free faith, joyful rest in you, and joyful allegiance and obedience to such a king, such a Lord, who would sacrifice himself even for his enemies. Oh, bless us, Lord, to see you and love you and adore you. We ask this for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you turn to page eight, you'll find an outline of what we will deal with this morning. It's a bit unusual for an Easter because we are finishing the last petition of the Lord's Prayer today, which is, it comes in two parts. We dealt with the first part last week, but most of you are familiar. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so we're considering that last phrase, deliver us from evil, and obviously we're going to especially think of how Christ's death and resurrection plays into this prayer, how it affects this prayer and undergirds this prayer to deliver us from evil. <clears throat> I saw uh, some weeks back online a rescue of a baby elephant. He had fallen into a really deep ditch and there was no way he could climb out at all. So a huge backhoe was scraping dirt off the edge of the ditch to fall in behind and under the elephant. It was a delicate operation because this backhoe was as large as the baby elephant. So it was so cool because this giant machine just tenderly pressing dirt down so that the baby elephant could get higher and higher and higher on the dirt. And finally, he was able to walk with great difficulty to climb out and go down this bank into a kind of swamp where the other elephants were waiting. And so there was a happy reunion, a happy elephant reunion. You've seen them all. Um, <clears throat> and as they were leaving, no, at first, before they even turned around, the mama elephant raised its trunk in salute of those people. And then she turned to leave, and she turned back around, and she raised the trunk 
in salute. And in all of my careful study over the years of elephant salutes, <laughs> I think she was saying, okay, you puny little humans, not bad. And then they walk off, right? So there was no way for this baby elephant to rescue herself except that they rescued her. Now, if you're looking at our rescue from sin, this prayer, deliver us from evil, it'd be more like the baby elephant has fallen into a pit and they have to lower a a line down, hook it under her and bring her all the way up because she can't even move. That's our rescue from sin. And this prayer is a prayer of absolute helplessness. You and I must see this. Deliver us from our evil because we are helpless against it. Deliver us from the evil one for we are helpless against it. This is not a little tack on prayer to use every once in a while. This is our daily life. Prayer is war, as I say here. Now, I grew up saying, which I said every night before I went to bed because I was trying to be good enough to get to heaven, okay, which is a bad way to approach things. But every night I prayed the prayer, deliver us from evil. Now, our translation and the prayer we use in our uh, worship is deliver us from the evil one. Now, it can be either one, and we're really not sure. I kind of lean toward evil one, but I want to hold on to both of those because I think each one of them has something to instruct us, which is very important. For instance, evil keeps it outside of thinking that it's just the evil one coming after me, but it lodges evil within me. Jesus said in Matthew 15, and by the way, if you're visiting, you'll hear us say a book name and then a, a chapter after that. That's just to indicate where you might find this a passage. So in Matthew 15, Jesus says, all the evil that's in the world, it pours out of the heart of man. That's where it comes from. Deep inside us, in our innermost being. And the prayer reads... Deliver us from evil. It's first a prayer for God's people as we pray together. Deliver us from evil in our midst. Evil thoughts about one another. Evil words to one another. Evil deeds to one another and to others. Every church must constantly pray this. There are no churches that are free from evil. But evil one reminds us that we are truly at war every day. Peter tells us that Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone who he may devour. Imagine that every day to leave to go to school, you had to walk through tall grass. It's like a foot taller than you and you can't see anything around. You just have to go through the grass just for the illustration. And there is a lion that likes to eat. Hey, people, it's in the field. Okay, so 
you can take, if you want, this little radar that tells you exactly where you are located and exactly where the line is located. And you can take this other device that when the line gets within 30 feet, you can aim it at it, it shoots a signal, and it drives the line away. Or you can just walk through the field by yourself. Which are you going to do? But what do we do day after day after day? We don't really believe. There's a far worse, far more dangerous lion on the prowl to do us in. We underestimate what he is able to do, what he is doing. You and I may have sin habits that have gone on for years, maybe. Uh, the way we treat a wife or a husband, or maybe there's little or no prayer in our lives, little or no time in God's Word. You know, Satan is always tempting you to ignore God. He's always tempting you to water down your passion for God, to divert it, to break down your Christian walk, to slow it, to urge you to be indifferent. Always. It's war in his book. And he is always at it every day. That's why Jesus, in the few things he tells us to pray for, says, always pray this. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Now, when we pray this, here are some ideas for the things you necessarily are praying for that you may not think about, but I want to talk about this. These are the kinds of things that we are trusting God for that you see in your bulletin. The first one is this. The trust in God's grace first to recognize evil and despise evil or the evil one. Notice the prayer from Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see... First problem is many times we don't even see our own evil. We don't even see it for what it is. I may, for instance, be harsh and mean to my children, insensitive to their feelings and their weakness and struggle, and I rarely ever encourage them, and I do it without even thinking about it because I don't see it. And so the psalmist says, search me. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. Do a full inspection. <laughs> Find the hail damage. Find the sagging floor joists. Find the rotten wood. Find the frayed wiring. Find the rusted out plumbing. Do exploratory surgery. Do a full body scan. Find out what's deep inside of me. What I don't even see. What I refuse to see. Show it to me. See, this is the first step of deliverance from evil. Lord, enable me to recognize my evil. There is nothing more essential for any couple or any relationship for each person to be asking this question. Not, oh, I know what he's doing wrong. I know what she's doing wrong. But to ask, oh, Lord, help me see. Imagine two people thinking this, praying this earnestly. Help me to see my evil. What 
would that do to a relationship? And then the other part of this is despising that evil because, and Paul goes on, Paul here in Romans 12, the other verse I have, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. This means loathe as totally repugnant the evil. So we not only must recognize it, but despise it. And how many times it happens that I don't see it because I don't hate it, right? I refuse to see it. I justify my evil. I defend myself. Oh, my sins are my little pets. I take care of them. I nurture and protect them. I see them in the best light. We don't want to even see our evil. Oh, we see others real fast. We tend to cover over. So, Lord, help me see it and hate it. And notice what the psalm has caused this grievous or hurtful way in me. This means many things, but it includes the way I hurt those around me. And the way I hurt those that are closest to me. Oh Lord, deliver me from hurting other people. That's what you pray for when you pray, deliver me from evil. Deliver us from evil. And, of course, the other part of this, if we're talking about evil and evil one, okay, trying to pull both of those things in, is to recognize the evil one. Paul speaks in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6 of the schemes of the devil. You could call it the strategies or the tactics or the cunning attacks or you could talk about the frauds, the scams, the tricks, the deception, the hoaxes, the lures. Everywhere you look, Satan's fishing lures are there, right? Here's one, here's one, here's one. He is out to deceive. And you and I think, uh, I don't really feel it, I don't really see it. But here, here's a scam. You're fine, you're strong, you're good. You don't even need to pray every day, deliver us from evil. That's a pretty good scam right there. How many of us have fallen to even that? That we don't see the desperate war that we're in. So recognize and despise. You know, Jesus is talking about Satan in in, uh, John chapter 8. And he says, Satan... Murderer from the beginning. Isn't that amazing? Not just he does murderer from the beginning. And the liar and the father of lies. All deception and lies flow out of Satan. You think of the most horrible, unimaginable, cold-blooded crimes you have to know that those are most like Satan. They're most at the heart of who Satan is. That Satan loathes you with absolute frightening malice. And as Martin Luther said in his hymn, Mighty Fortress, on earth is not his equal. None of us is equal 
to the power of this one who hates us so much. Which leads us then to the second point, that we not only trust God to help us to recognize our evil, to hate it, and to recognize the evil one, and to realize we're in this warfare, but then trust in God's refuge from evil. God's refuge from the evil one. And I borrow here from Psalm 35. Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Oh, guard my soul, deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Now, he, he is praying against evil men like Paul does in 2 Corinthians 3, asking for prayer against evil people that might destroy him and keep him from the gospel. But I want to focus on something else. The prayer of the Psalms and deliverance from evil men translates into our world where Paul says in Ephesians 6 also, you don't wrestle or fight against flesh and blood, against humanity. Even evil people, ultimately, you fight against great ranks of evil spiritual powers. That's your enemy. So, we can translate these in wonderful ways so that I can say, I'm the poor one who comes to him for refuge from my spiritual enemies that are too strong for me. What a precious prayer from Psalm 35. When Israel was badly outnumbered by those attacking them, and there was no hope whatsoever, they would appeal to God. And that's our condition. There's no hope whatsoever for us to make progress in becoming more like Jesus apart from God's grace. And I'll tell you, this idea in the last couple of weeks of taking refuge in God has given me greater hope. Darwin, run to God for refuge from your spiritual enemies. Run to God for refuge from your sin. And as a church, run to God for refuge from your sins as his people. And so you see, to pray, deliver us from evil, is to take refuge in Christ from evil. How glorious is that? Even when you see the terrible ugliness and corruption of sin in your life, he doesn't turn his back on you. He welcomes you. To find him as your refuge. To save you from it. To rescue from it, uh, from its punishment, of course. And then from its presence in your life. And in this context then, hear Psalm 34. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the person who takes refuge and says... Deliver us from evil. And finally, we trust in Christ's defeat of evil. His defeat of the evil one. We ask that we would see and recognize evil. We take refuge in him from evil. And we look to Christ for the defeat of evil. And notice this first verse from John chapter 12. This is said on the eve of Christ's own death. Not literally, but right the week of Christ's own death and resurrection. 
And notice what he says about it. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And he's speaking of Satan here, and it it may seem a little strong for Jesus to call him the ruler of this world. Of course, God is the ruler of all creation. And Satan, as we even see in Job, has to go to God for permission even to do his things because God has absolute sovereign power over all things. But when he says the ruler of this world, he means the ruler over all those who oppose God. The ruler over mankind as lost, as rebellious against God. So when you leave God, you fall into the clutches of the evil one who is the ruler of that world. But he says, now, at this point, he is going to be cast out. Now, the whole world, it says in 1 John, lies in the hand of the evil one. That means it is, in fact, literally it says, it lies in the evil one, which is very graphic and scary. It means we're under the control of the evil one. And there's a little parody on that song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole. Now, if you're speaking of those who oppose God, yeah, he, the ruler of this world, he has the whole world in his hands. All of those who oppose God are in his hands. But here, here Jesus says, now he is cast out. And interestingly, this is the same word that is used when Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. And of course, they did so because of the temptation of the evil one. Now who's cast out? Huh? Now who's cast out? Not mankind, but the enemy of mankind. And as we sang, he has opened paradise. Is open paradise for his people. And the evil one is cast out. Yes, the whole world lies in the hand of the evil one. But Jesus in his death and resurrection smashes and breaks up the hand that holds them. So that now unprecedented hundreds of millions of people over the last 2,000 years have left the power of Satan and given themselves to the love and mercy of God in Jesus Christ. And he can't stop it. He can't stop it. As God, through the gospel, the good news of what he's done in Jesus, shines the beauty of Christ into hearts. And they abandon their allegiance to themselves, their allegiance to self and evil, and they give themselves up to Jesus Christ. And his defeat means, as we read in Revelation, that people from every tongue and tribe and nation will be before the throne of God in the last day. Yes, indeed, the God of this world is cast out. Cast out. Uh, This is the same term used for the driving out of all the evil nations that, among other things, burn their own children in worship in Canaan. He drove them out that his people might inherit. And here, there's that, that imagery 
He is being driven out so that ultimately we will inherit this earth that we lost in our sin. As wheat is thrown off the boat, so he is thrown off the property, so to speak. He is removed. Uh, Jesus, again and again, it says he cast out demons. It was a preview of the very casting out of Satan himself. Removing him from absolute power in this world. And often it doesn't appear that Satan's kingdom has received this death blow because we see so much terrible evil all over the world. But John tells us in the book of Revelation that when he is cast down to earth, he's angry because he knows his time is short. That's the condition after the resurrection. I've pictured it for years as a, 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 a battleship being torpedoed and as it's sinking Its guns are firing off in every direction. You want a picture of Satan? Not Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. A title of years past. But Satan is sinking and dying on planet Earth. And yes, he is wild. And yes, he is reckless. And yes, we see his work. But he is on the way out. And God's people will inherit the Earth. I love... Some of our hymns that talk about this. Jesus cast a look on me. Jesus cast a look on me. Give me sweet simplicity. Make me poor. Keep me low. Seeking only thee to know. Make me like a little child of my strength and wisdom spoiled. You see, I don't believe I have my own strength and wisdom. Seeing only in thy light. Walking only in thy might. That's a person released from the power of Satan. Now giving themselves up to Jesus Christ. Or that wonderful hymn, Jesus I Come. I'd love for us to sing it right now, but no time. Uh, But out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus I come, Jesus I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus I come to thee. Out of my sickness, into thy health, out of my wanting, into thy wealth, out of my sin, and into thyself. Abandoning, abandoning the kingdom of Satan, giving ourselves up to Jesus Christ. And so in the wonderful hymn we sing, Give Reviving, I love this picture as we look to the future and look to what God might do and will do through the gospel of Jesus Christ, it says, let no people be forgotten. See, every tongue and tribe and nation. Let no people be forgotten by your death and resurrection, you see. Let thy showers on all descend. That's the prayer of the resurrection. Let us showers on every, all people's descent. That in one loud blessed anthem, millions may in triumph blend. Give reviving, give refreshing, give the look for jubilee to thyself. May crowds be pressing, bringing glory unto thee. I love that line. Every time we sing, I just can't wait to get to that. Crowds be pressing to you. See, that's the result of what Jesus says here. Now the God of this world is cast out. 
millions will be pressing to me and abandoning him. And for us, we can and will be progressively delivered from evil, as you see in the verses there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This word flee is the regular word for enemies running away from battle, not in a measured retreat, but scattered, running for their lives. How can James use this language of us? That in our warfare with the evil one who is so much more mighty than we are. That in Christ, in his spirit, we can resist him and he will be scattered off the battlefield. That is hope. That is wonderful hope. You see, sin is, is like a plague, a plague that has infected the whole world. And now, initially, you and I have been saved from the death of this plague. We have been rescued from its death, its final punishment in death, its final punishment in the judgment of God because Christ has borne our judgment for us in his death. And the resurrection declares that indeed sin has been Paid for. Sin has been atoned for. There is forgiveness for anyone who will trust in this Savior. The resurrection declares that the punishment is done. And it is available. So we've escaped the death of it. But more and more we escape the sickness of it. Right? The effects of it. We become more and more healthy people as more and more we pray, deliver me from evil. By your death and resurrection, deliver me from evil. More and more and more, we become like Jesus. We become healthier and healthier as the power of sin is broken. And finally, in the last day, even the presence of sin is gone forever from this world and from our lives. So we have these glorious assurances that Jesus has appeared To destroy the work of the devil. And here's a a fascinating thing. I am not really free to see and hate my sin. Except in the light of the cross. See we, we can justify. Well I hadn't killed anybody. I don't murder. I hadn't committed adultery. I don't. You know we can. We can look at the law. But when you see. That the standard of God's love and character is that you die for your enemies. That's who God is. Being ungodly is what we are because we don't die for, pray for, love our enemies. We find it hard to love our friends, sometimes our family. Never our enemies. And so we're undone. We see how very unlike this God we are. And yet at the same time is offered forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The first time really to have freedom to admit your sin and not to have to hide from it. But it's been judged in Christ and now he comes to you as you see how sinful you are in relationship to God's love. And yet... You're drawn by his love to receive forgiveness for your sin. Then you can see and admit your sin. 
The way is open for forgiveness. The way is open, a refuge from sin for you and for me. From the punishment of sin and then from the power of sin and finally, even the presence of sin. And in the very end, Paul looks to the coming of Christ and he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And this is not only what will happen in that last day, and notice it's under your feet. (laughs) You're part of his resurrection victory, his resurrection army. But it's not only what will happen, but this is your pattern from now on. To keep crushing Satan, to keep crushing Satan, to keep becoming more and more like Jesus, to be delivered from sin, to be delivered from evil because of the death and resurrection of Christ. Jesus says that those who come to him, he will never cast out, ever. Won't you come to him? Will you stand before God with your own evil and hope to stand in judgment rather than embrace what God has provided in his own son, that Christ has died for sin. Christ has been raised to to announce that sin can be forgiven. And not only will he keep us and not cast us out, but in the end, We inherit everything he inherits. We inherit the earth and we are made into the likeness of his glorious resurrection body forever. Otherwise, this same word of casting out is used for those who refuse the mercy of God and they are cast out into the outer darkness. Oh, embrace this Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, as one of our prayers prays at the beginning of worship, you died for such people as we are. You died for sinners, for the ungodly. You died for your enemies. Oh Lord, We praise you for such love. We praise you that you've given yourself so freely to us. We praise you that you stood in our place to bear our punishment so that we would not have to bear that punishment, but that we could know your forgiveness, we could know your fellowship, we could know your favor from now on, unhindered. And we could know more and more freedom from our evil, that more and more we might be of great benefit to others, bringing wholeness and restoration and nourishment and living water and God's grace into their lives as we are progressively delivered from evil. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation in Jesus.